Well, we are in part three of our series, Starting Over, and we all need to start over sometimes. It's the subtitle of the series that actually gives us some direction for our time together, is how to ensure that next time won't be like last time. So whatever you're starting over or whatever you're about to start over, maybe a job, maybe a relationship, uh, maybe uh, you know coming up out of a bad semester at school, uh, or even just starting over some New Year's resolutions from last year that didn't go so well, uh, whatever it is, this series is for you. Now, when it comes to starting over, there's three essential steps, three essential steps you got to take to ensure that next time will be better than last time. You got to own it, you got to rethink it, and you got to release it. Own it, rethink it, and release it. And we talked about the first one last week, own it. We said you got to own it. Own it means that you can't try to blame your way into a better future. You can blame your way into the future, but you can't blame your way into a better future. So own it means you got to take full responsibility for whatever your part was and whatever you're having to restart, which is really difficult for us because, you know, we've got our sad story about, you know, we were wronged and it wasn't, you know, and, and you get no sympathy if you own it, okay? But owning it is a step forward. It's one of the ways that you ensure that next time won't be like last time. So Today, we're moving on to rethink it. And here's what I mean by that. Like, if you think back to on the thing that, you know, you're having to restart, whether a relationship or academically or professionally or financially, whatever it is, even if it wasn't our fault, even if it was like really hard to kind of think of anything to take responsibility for, at some point, we think back and we ask ourselves this question. We ask, what was I thinking? Like, right? What was I thinking? Everybody, everybody told me she wasn't right for me. Everybody told me he wasn't right for me. What was I thinking? Zero percent down, no payments for eight years. You know, like should have seen it coming. What was I thinking? Thirty percent return guaranteed. It was too good to be true. It wasn't true. What was I thinking? Why in the world would I lease? And why would in the world would I buy? And why in the world? Well, you know, I didn't even need a new one. And why, you know, how, how come I'm in so much credit card debt? What was I thinking? At some point along the way, we asked the question, what was I thinking? And here's the amazing thing. We look back and sometimes our decisions don't even make sense to us, right? Like, like we, we look back and we go, oh, I should have seen that coming. What in the world was I thinking? So in order to ensure that next time isn't like last time, you got to ask that question. But here's the catch. The catch is, you know, like, um, and this is what I want to talk about today. I think we all intuitively ask that question, what was I thinking? <clears throat> but uh, the problem is very few of us camp out on that long enough to answer the question. We don't come up with an answer. It's just kind of a statement. Like, what was I thinking? Then we, on we go. What was I thinking? We jump back in. What was I thinking? Oh, she sure is cute. What was I thinking? Oh, you know, I just leased another one. You know, what was I thinking? Let's go shopping. So it's a great question, but I think intuitively we just kind of laugh it off. Oh, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? But I'm telling you, stopping to come up with a real answer to that question is a key to ensuring next time won't be like last time. And here's why that is. See, if you, if you think the way that you used to think, you're going to do the things that you used to do. It's just that simple. You keep thinking the way you were thinking last time, chances are history is going to repeat itself. Even in those areas where, you know, you could go, well, very little of the blame belongs to me. So today we're going to look at a passage of scripture that kind of highlights the importance of this. And then at the end of the message, I'm going to give you six lethal assumptions, six lethal thoughts. Uh, so many people just carry around with them into the future and it undermines their own future. 
So six ways of thinking or six assumptions about life and about relationships. You're going to look at the assumptions and just be like, yeah, that's definitely not a good idea. But these are six things that just kind of sit underneath our consciousness and they drive our decisions. So we'll get to those in a minute because I'm telling you, it's not enough to ask the question, what was I thinking? You got to come up with an answer to that question. You owe it to yourself. So uh, Paul's letter to the Romans, the Apostle Paul writes to a uh, group of Christians in Rome. And we, we said this before, you know, the Apostle Paul, he had to start over. He knows what that's like. You know, he had a first time that wasn't great, uh, killed a lot of Christians, put them in jail. You know, he's uh, responsible for deaths. He understood this tension around starting over. So what he has to say is incredibly important because he was a product of what we're going to talk about. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a setup, then we're going to dive deep with these verses. So Romans chapter 12, here's what Paul says. Paul says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters. So this is for Jesus followers, Christ followers in the room. You know, this, if you're not a Jesus follower, you can take it or leave it. But if others of us, we're on the hook for this. Okay, so brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of everything that God has done for us, offer your bodies, offer your bodies, not just your minds, not just, not just, you know, your intentions, not just an hour on Sunday, but offer your entire body as a living sacrifice. Now, we hear that word sacrifice and we kind of think metaphorically, oh, I've got to give something up. You know, they actually saw physical, bloody, gory sacrifices. He says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. In other words, don't think killing an animal is going to make everything all right with God. Okay? It's not about killing animals. It's about offering yourself, saying, I am going to be a living, not a dead animal sacrifice. I'm going to be a living daily, moment by moment, for your praise, for your glory, for your honor, that kind of sacrifice. And then he dives into the details about what that looks like. And here's where he gives us this amazing, amazing insight into our thinking. He says this, he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world or do not, do not be conformed. Do not allow yourself to be conformed to the pattern of this world. See, if you conform to the pattern of this world, you're going to just look like everybody else. You're just going to live like everybody else. You're just going to have relationships like everybody else. You're going to be in debt like everybody else. You're going to be unhappy like so many people. Your life's just going to go with the flow of culture. In other words, just to kind of illustrate it, he's saying, don't be this guy. Okay, this is a little cookie cutter guy. It's like, don't be this guy. He says, Christians, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Just stomp out one after another. They all look the same. They all taste the same. You know, it's just like, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. And then he goes on. He gives us a little bit of contrast. And he says this. He says, but be transformed. In other words, don't allow yourself to be conformed. Do you, do you know how much intentionality it takes to be conformed? Zero, none, right? You just get up and you go with the flow and before you know it, you're just living and acting like everybody else. It's easy. It doesn't take any discipline to be conformed, no intentionality, no self-control. He says, I want you to be different. I want you to be transformed. And the idea is, I want you to, to lean in and I want you to decide and I want you to give it some effort. I want you to make a decision to be transformed. Be, don't be conformed, be transformed. Another way of saying it is, don't be this guy, be this guy, right? Like, who doesn't want to be this guy? Right? I had to put a little 
thing out on uh, my Snapchat to talk to friends, find out somebody who had, had a transformer. I'm like, that is so cool. You know, like, we want to be this guy. You know, don't be just stamped out, you know, like everybody else in culture. You be different. I want you to be transformed. To which we go, I want to be transformed. I don't want to be conformer. I want to be a transformer, right? right? I don't want to be like everybody else. I don't want to live like everybody else. I don't want to have a marriage like everybody else. I don't want to get old and be in lots of debt and wonder why my kids don't come to see me. I, I want to be transformed. And Paul says, well, do you want me to tell you how? And we're like, yeah, yeah, tell us how, Paul. He says, by the renewing of your mind. He says, I want you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. But in order for your bodies to actually do the things that a living sacrifice needs to do, you're going to need to make some changes up here. Okay? You got to pay attention. And, uh, you know, when you ask that question, what was I thinking? You got to pause and you got to answer that question. Because you are transformed not simply by the engagement of your will, you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. Renew just means to restore. Renewing just means restore. Here's a way to kind of help you think about it. Um, anybody here ever restored a piece of furniture? Ever had to do that? Yeah. I have not, as if you know me, that's not a surprise. Uh, yeah, I've not done that, but I've seen it. I had some friends that did that, they restored furniture. Or some of you, like maybe in the process of restoring a car, restoring the paint finish on a car, you know, kind of um, to refinish furniture or to refinish uh, the paint job on a car, you got to grind off all the old before you put on the new. You got to take off the old before you put on the new. You got to take off all that old, which is no fun. You know, and when you're finished taking it off, nobody comes up and goes, ooh, man, that looks fantastic. They walk up and go, wow, that looks worse than it did before. Like, why would you spend so much time? And why would you spend so much energy? And why would you give so much of your life just to taking something off? Why don't you just go ahead and put on something new? Let me ask you a question. What happens if you put on the new before you take off the old? What happens? It comes through, the new stuff just peels right off, right? Um, we, we did this once. Uh, my, we were on this island my uncle owned, and there was this old truck, and my dad found some house paint. And we just painted this truck because, you know, it's like it needed it. And, but it just like by the end of the week that we were there, it was just peeling right off, right? This is why all of us at some point have just like promised God, you know, like we've made commitments to God next time, God, my next relationship, you know, my, my next job, next semester, you know, in school, I'm going to do better. I'm going to study harder. I'm just going to buckle down. I'm going to, you know, I'm, and it, the new just peels right off because we never answered the question. What was I thinking? We just knew we weren't thinking correctly. And then we just moved right on into our future. Now, I'll tell you one of the reasons we don't do this. We don't spend time with this. Uh, renewal takes time. Renewal takes time. And I said this a couple weeks ago, time is your friend. Time is your friend. Renewing or renewing your mind takes time. And time is your friend. And if you don't take off the old, the new just peels right off. And the Apostle Paul says, look, if you want to be transformed, it is not simply a matter of the will. It's not simply a matter of, of discipline. You've got to renew your mind. Um, I was thinking about this. A pastor I know has a, uh, has a rule for weddings in their churches uh, that uh, he says, you know, 
We don't do weddings for anybody who's divorced less than two years. You know, they're getting remarried. He requires them to wait at least two years before they'll do a remarriage. And you say, well, why is that? And he will tell you, because I can't get them to wait five, <laughs> right? That's, that's hard. He says, I can't get people to wait five it, because you, you need to renew your mind and time is your friend. That's why anytime anybody goes through a really, really big life change, and I'm not going to go through all the categories, but just any really big shift, I just will say, hey, don't make any big decisions for at least a year. You know, don't buy a car, don't move, don't make investments, don't sell stuff. Hit the pause button. You have been in the emergency room emotionally. You've been in the emergency room in terms of what's going on in your life. Don't make any big decisions. You got to peel off, you got to peel off some of the old before you can put on the new. It's going to take time. So hit the pause button. Got to renew your mind. Sincerity and commitment are not enough. Like don't you know that from the exercise program that you used to have? <laughs> don't you know, you know, don't we know that from dieting? Haven't we had enough experience to know that commitment is not enough? And sincerity is not enough. So the Apostle Paul nails it. He says, like, look, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then look at this promise. He says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So let me ask Christians a question. Do you want to know what God's will for your life is? Paul says, well, then you got to take some time. You got to renew your mind. Oh, well, I just thought if I, I prayed long enough, you know, I'd like hear a voice or something. You don't want to hear a voice, okay? Especially at night in the dark, you know? You don't want to, I don't want to hear a voice, you know? Like, God, please don't speak out loud to me. You know, I don't, I don't want, maybe you do. Um, but I'm just telling you, in the Bible, every time God spoke out loud, generally bad things happen. Like, so you should read your Bible, okay? It's true. So look what he's saying. He's like, if you want to know what God's will is, if you want to be able to test and approve, which means, you know, would you like to be able to kind of sort it out and discern and wade through all the options and arrive at the right conclusion? He says, then you need time for your mind to be transformed. You need to renew your mind, which is why you need to be in church. It's why it's helpful to be part of a small group, you know, to stay connected to the body of Christ. It's why you should read your Bible. You go, well, I don't understand it. That's okay. Read it anyway. Some people go, well, I don't, I don't believe it. Like, well, you read lots of stuff you don't believe. Read it anyway, right? You got to renew your minds. Because here's the deal. Regret and resolve are not enough. We think, oh, you know, I'm really sorry. I'm going to try harder. Regret and resolve are not enough. You got to renew your mind. Because if you think the way you used to think, you're going to just do the things that you used to do. The way you've always done things. So to wrap up real quick, I want to go through six assumptions really, really quick. Um, and maybe one or two of these apply to you or three, you know, maybe none of them because, you know, like, oh, that's not me. Uh, but I have got a friend. We all have a friend, right, that one or two or more of these apply to. So I just want to surface some of these things uh, that we believe we don't even know we believed. They're just false assumptions that often play into our behaviors where afterwards we go, what was I thinking? Maybe one or more of these is what you were thinking. So here we go. Six lethal assumptions Here's the first one. If I find the right person, everything will be all right. If I find the right person, it'll be all right. No, it won't. If you become the right person, this isn't about finding. So you think, well, you know, 
that last relationship didn't work out because he was an idiot, you know? And if I find a non-idiot, well, why did you date an idiot? Like, what were you thinking? You don't know. That's why, you know, you're going to date another idiot. You haven't changed. Committing is not enough. Resolve is not enough. What were you thinking? Well, what was it about him or her that made him so appealing that you found yourself in a relationship where now you're going, what was I thinking? Becoming the right person is the goal. If you become the person that you're looking for, is looking for, like chances are you'll find them, you'll recognize them. But not until you become them because the person you're looking for, they're not going to like you right now because you're not ready. You need to spend some time becoming the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. Okay? Number two, we talked about this last week. My situation's unique. My situation's unique. No, it's not. <laughs> That's why there's counselors. That's why there's doctors. You, you know why you're able to go to a doctor? Uh, they're able to diagnose your problems? It's because our bodies are pretty much the same, right? But they don't take a stethoscope and go, hey, let's try to find the heart. You know, is your heart here? No. Is it up here? No. You know, like where it, our bodies are all pretty much the same. That's why they're able to do prescriptions because they make very educated guesses because our bodies are, are all pretty much the same. And let me just tell you, your situation is not that unique. You're unique, but your situation isn't. And here's why that's such a big, important principle, this assumption, this assumption, this assumption is how you dodge the rules. Okay, my city is different. Uh, you know, I know the rule, but my that's how you dodge. This is how you dodge scripture. <laughs> this is how you dodge wise counsel. Well, you don't understand. My situation is unique. You're unique. Your situation isn't. Third assumption. Well, it's not right, but it makes me happy, and God wants me to be happy. <laughs> oh, okay. Now I'm a pastor, and I should know this, uh, but I don't. So I don't know if God wants you to be happy. Or not. I, I don't know. You know, now, if you think God wants you to be happy, you know, you got to understand something. You made that up, right? And it may be true, but understand, you made that up. Well, God wants me to be happy. Well, what do you base that on? Well, I want me to be happy, and that's pretty much all I got, right? You know, it's like, okay, so, you know, I just kind of assume God, you know, I, I want to be happy. I assume God is. Okay, let's assume God wants you to be happy. Here's the deal. If it's not right, but it makes me happy, look, you know this. If it's not right, things are not going to turn out right. They never do. If it's not right, it's wrong. If it's not right, things are going to turn into one of those what was I thinking deals. You're thinking that, well, even though it wasn't exactly legal and even though it wasn't exactly ethical, even though, you know, like, when you find yourself going, well, it's not exactly right, but just hit the pause button and go, uh-oh, you know, I, I'm about to talk myself into doing the wrong thing based on something that's absolutely not true. Okay, number four, if only I had, then I'd be satisfied. Okay, has that ever worked out for you in the past? Uh, you just get like, oh, I wanted it so bad and I got it and I was satisfied for a little bit maybe? But here's what you need to understand. Appetites are never fully and finally satisfied. Ever. That whole idea, if I had, then I'd be satisfied, that's a lie. Whatever the appetite is for, you know, a new car, new clothes, new anything, any appetite is never fully and finally satisfied. And once you get whatever it is that you think you want, 
You know, you're just going to want another one or you're going to want a newer one or you're going to want more. And I'm okay with buying stuff. That's what makes our economy go. But here's my point. Don't fool yourself into thinking that, you know, once I fill in the blank, then I'm going to be satisfied. I mean, go ahead, lease it, buy it, go ahead and rent it, but don't lie to yourself. And don't talk yourself into it based on the lie that once I have it, then I'll be satisfied. It's just not true. What was I thinking? What was I thinking? Well, you're thinking that, you know, somehow owning it or driving it or putting it in my closet or wearing it or buying it would somehow fully and finally satisfy something. It's a lie. Just doesn't work that way. No appetite is ever fully and finally satisfied. None of them. So just keep that front and center before you make another decision. And kind of similar to this one is this next one. I owe is better than I want. Not a single person in this room has ever thought that consciously, but it kind of runs around in the backdrop of our thinking when it comes to finances. You know, I owe is better than I want. Because here's the deal, you know, I want it. I want it. But in order to get it, I'll have to owe money on it. So what am I going to do? Am I going to sit around and want it or am I going to drive it and owe on it? Am I going to sit around and, and want it or am I going to wear it around and owe on it? Am I going to sit around and want it or am I going to go, ooh, yeah, and live in it? You know? Which am I going to live with? I want or I owe? And I'm telling you, you know this. Like, ha- Have we not learned the hard way? What was I thinking? It is better to want than to owe. You're going to have tension either way. There's going to be dissatisfaction either way. Which one is better? Well, I think it's better to want than to owe. And I think you know it's better to want than to owe. So again, you know, like purchase everything you want. It's none of my business, but I'm just saying don't lie to yourself. And six, I see this in young people all the time. Sex will solve it. Sex will solve it. No, it won't. Sex will complicate it. See, the minute you think, well, you know what? If, uh, if we just sleep together, or the moment you think, well, if I can just get her, or if I just can get him, if we just move in, you know, let's just try this. And you never say sex will solve it. Never say that. But somehow in the back of your mind, you think sex is a problem solver. Like, can you imagine? Like, we can't. But just try for a second. Imagine, like, just for six months. Imagine for six months. Imagine how much less pain and suffering and regret and loneliness and abuse would happen in our country if just for six months... Not forever, because who's got that kind of self-control? But just for six months, we decided to take what the New Testament taught about sex seriously. Just for six months. Would we have less happiness, less joy, and less discipline? No, we'd have more. Would we have fewer complications or more complications? We'd have fewer complications. See, God is not some like sexual killjoy. God created sex. It's amazing. He says, oh, I've got an idea. The angels are like, what is it? He's like, well, you wouldn't understand. But it might be my best idea, you know? Like, come on, sex isn't designed to solve anything. So the minute you begin to make some kind of relational decisions based on your lying to yourself on this, it turns into one of those, what was I thinking? Well, you were thinking somehow sex was going to solve that relationship problem, was going to make it better. Now it's more complicated. It's the nature of this valuable, beautiful, wonderful thing that God's given us. So here's the question that you've got to answer before moving on. 
What was I thinking? And it's not just enough to ask the question. You got to answer it. And in fact, until you come up with an answer to this question, don't start anything new. Don't jump back in. Because until you've taken off the old and then put on the new, you're never going to get where you want to go. Next time will look too much like last time. If you want to think about it this way, don't be a conformer, be a, let's say it with me, transformer. Yeah, be a transformer. That's right. Don't just get stamped out into the pattern of this world. Be transformed. How? Well, not by commitment and not by, I'm just going to buckle down and try hard and give it a lot of energy, but by renewing your mind. Because the good news is next time really can be better than last time through the renewing of your mind. Let's stand as we close together in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the freedom to be able to talk about these things. And Father, I just pray that as we move into the future, that we would not carry lies and false thinking with us, that you would teach each of us to renew our minds and then to watch that transformation take place. God, give us wisdom to know what steps to take as we start over, as we move into that future that you have for us. Give us that wisdom and then give us the courage to take those steps. We love you, we thank you, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.